Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with a brand new season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview parenting experts, world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories and mom sense experiences. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. Pandemic or not, these episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Join my tribe and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Parenting is harder than it's ever been. Not only are we managing our careers and households, we're overseeing virtual classes and homeschooling, or worrying about our kids when they're at school during this pandemic. We're all trying our best to bring normalcy and enrichment back into their lives. That's why I want to tell you about a new brand for kids that's providing experiential fashion and is making parenting fun again. It's called Living Loudly. First, you log on to the website, livingloudly.com, and select from a variety of t-shirts that have characters on them like Everett the Elephant or Trevor the Tiger. Made from a bamboo and organic cotton blend, the tees are super soft and retain their shape and color. That means they don't shrink in the wash. Then your child will receive a colorful capsule delivered to your doorstep. Along with their t-shirt is a story about the character to spark their imagination and a secret paper airplane hidden in every graphic. Wait, there's more. The stories are written on seed paper that you can rip up into little pieces and plant in potting soil. Now your kids can enjoy a fun science experiment and tend to their very own garden of wildflowers. You can save the capsule to collect small toys or recycle it because it's 100% biodegradable. To recap, your kids will love reading the story, planting the wildflowers, and rocking their new t-shirt. Now that's so sustainable and oh so fun. Buy one, get one 30% off with my promo code MOMSENSE30 in all caps. Your adventure awaits. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with That's Total Mom Sense. Parenting is harder than it's ever been. Not only are we managing our careers and households, we're overseeing virtual classes and homeschooling, or worrying about our kids when they're at school during this pandemic. We're all trying our best to bring normalcy and enrichment back into their lives. That's why I want to tell you about a new brand for kids that's providing experiential fashion and is making parenting fun again. It's called Living Loudly. First, you log on to the website livingloudly.com 
and select from a variety of t-shirts that have characters on them like Everett the Elephant or Trevor the Tiger. Made from a bamboo and organic cotton blend, the tees are super soft and retain their shape and color. That means they don't shrink in the wash. Then your child will receive a colorful capsule delivered to your doorstep. Along with their t-shirt is a story about the character to spark their imagination and a secret paper airplane hidden in every graphic. Wait, there's more. The stories are written on seed paper that you can rip up into little pieces and plant in potting soil. Now your kids can enjoy a fun science experiment and tend to their very own garden of wildflowers. You can save the capsule to collect small toys or recycle it because it's 100% biodegradable. To recap, your kids will love reading the story, planting the wildflowers, and rocking their new t-shirt. Now that's so sustainable and oh so fun. Buy one, get one 30% off with my promo code MOMSENSE30 in all caps. Your adventure awaits. If you found yourself binging on the latest shows to break free from the stress and monotony of life in a pandemic, chances are you've come across The Morning Show, Little Fires Everywhere, and Big Little Lies, all productions of Hello Sunshine released on Apple TV, Hulu, and HBO, respectively. Having bagged 18 Emmy nominations, Hello Sunshine is a welcome disruptor and new media company that puts women at the center of every story that it creates, celebrates, and discovers. Stories we love, big and small, funny and complex, across television, film, books, and podcasts, shining a light on where women are now and helping them chart a new path forward. It's the brainchild of America's sweetheart, Reese Witherspoon, who, fun fact, began her acting career after first enrolling at Stanford. We've had the pleasure of watching her grow up on screen through her roles in Pleasantville, Cruel Intentions, the Legally Blonde series, which is soon to be a trilogy, and her Academy Award-winning performance in Walk the Line, to name a few. To top it off, she became a mom at the ripe age of 23 and made it her priority to be a devoted mother to her three children, Ava, Deacon, and Tennessee. As accomplished as she is, she knew she didn't want her career to be just about her. She decided to leave a legacy that's far more impactful and inclusive. Hello, sunshine. So who's heading the company behind the scenes and is Reese's own trusted right-hand woman? It's Sarah Harden. Sarah has been at the helm as CEO, leading Hello Sunshine through its rapid growth as a premium content studio and direct-to-consumer media brand. Prior to this, Sarah was president of Otter Media, a privately held joint venture between AT&T and the Chernin Group, where she spearheaded Otter's first investment, Hello Sunshine. As president, she acquired, invested, and launched global OTT video services with a variety of media companies, including Fullscreen, Rooster Teeth, Crunchyroll, Elation, and Sky. During her leadership, Otter generated $400 million in revenue and acquired and retained more than 1.5 million paying subscribers across its video subscription businesses. Earlier on, Sarah was group director at New Corp Asia and SVP of business development at Fox Networks. She began her career at Boston Consulting Group in Melbourne, Australia, and went on to attend Harvard Business School with high distinction as a Baker Scholar. Sarah's most important role, however, is being a mother. Sarah and her husband, Dave, have three kids, Lulu, 16, Tommy, 14, and Fletcher, 10. And another fun fact, she's a twin. 
These days, she's helping crack algebraic equations and reading her kids persuasive letters to bring home a pet hamster while negotiating multi-million dollar deals with top global networks via Zoom, of course, all in a day's work. Sarah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Oh, it's lovely to be here on this sunny Friday. So the ethos of Hello Sunshine is to shine a light on women's stories, but I actually want to turn the spotlight onto you. This interview is going to be a little different from ones that you've done in the past because I want to showcase how inspiring you are as an executive and a mom. And I just want to put it all out there, kind of like what we're doing on our Zoom calls with our kids hanging out in the background. You know, this is just how it is. This is our life and everyone's invited. (laughs) (laughs) To start. Tell us how you and your family are doing at this present time. Well, it's a roller coaster. On the one hand, we're incredibly blessed. We have a roof over our heads. We have a backyard. We have our health. And we don't let a day go by when, you know, we don't talk about the gratitude of that in our house. But, you know, I've got three very different children who've handled Mm -hmm. it all very differently. And I think, you know, I've got a sportsman 10-year-old who's, really struggled just being in zoom and online school and without his social interaction of being on teams he loves being on a team and Mm. you know we've had the ups and downs of that I think like so many families my children took a bit of convincing and they do not like setting the table but I family dinners become really important and that's been a ritual I think that's really anchored us and and you know getting out of the house and walking in the mornings and trying to drag one or more of my children out um (laughs) What was your childhood like in Melbourne? I really look back at my childhood with such gratitude. My mum was one of seven and my dad was one of five. You know, I grew up with like this mad, crazy, big family. I mean, I, you know, I have so many aunts and uncles and first cousins. And so I grew up as part of a big like tribe of like roaming semi-feral cousins. Like <laughs> during the summer, like we, like we roamed. And I think of the freedom of that childhood. I mean, I... I know we were safe. We we spent our summers in a beach town where I I still have a house. You know, I just look at that and and I'm trying to give that to my children and that sense of like it's a small seaside town and I just had a very connected family life, a very kind of easy and simple like weekend life when I look at what we used to do. Like nothing ever felt that organized is what I would say, but but it was... (laughs) I feel really, I feel really grateful for it. I'm still very connected with my hometown and with my family and with the friends I met in elementary school and high school. Wow. So you're a twin and you have a twin brother and another brother. Tell us what that family dynamic was like in this twin bond that we're all so fascinated by. Yeah, I have my twin brother and I are the eldest in our siblings. And then I have a younger brother. And then I also have two half sisters. So there's there's five of us. So, you know, our half sisters, you know, they were born when I was 14, I think my oh, 50, no, maybe a bit older, 16. Mm-hmm. And so there's five of us now as adults, like we're all just siblings. But growing up, I didn't know anything different. I mean, I had like the greatest. I mean, my brother and I just grew up as playmates and best friends. And you know, we had one memorable argument that I remember, but my mother like instilled upon us. It's something I say to my children all the time is like, I'll have none of it. You two are going to be the best friends and the constant companions. And I, it's not going to be any different. And so you better sort it out. And this is your closest, this is your person. And, you know, I'm lucky my little brother actually lives in Los Angeles. He moved here seven or eight years ago, which has been oh, such a great. And, 
And then I talk to my twin brother like, you know, every second day. Um, and so I feel really blessed and I'm really blessed to then have had two sisters that came along when I was a little older and I'm close to both of them as well. That's amazing. So you actually shared a poignant post on Instagram honoring your mom's 25th death anniversary. And I just, I was led to tears when I read it. Um, Was she your real life, you know, superhero and role model? She was. And, you know, I feel, I mean, I'm so busy. I'm not someone who wakes up and thinks about what I'm going to share on social that day. Like I, I kind of, I'm always trying to keep up a little bit, but you know, she's an incredible one. I think she was emblematic of a lot of women of her generation, you know, seven children. The girls all became sort of nurses or teachers. Like that was the thing. My mom was incredibly brilliant and she had an amazing career as a nurse. She was an intensive care nurse. And then when we were born, it was hard to do nights. And so, you know, she didn't work for parts of our period growing up. My parents were divorced. She went back to do nursing. And then she got to a point, she was like, I need a different career. And she reinvented herself. Mm-hmm. And when you work with her brother as a commercial real estate broker, and I, she's the person who sat down when I was 14 years old with my brother and I and said, here's our budget. Here's our household budget. She talked about how much money she earned and what she got from my dad and what he paid for and what it cost to run our house and what the choices were she was making around, could we go on a holiday and others. And they were the conversations we had around our table. And I just think what a gift it was, right? And yeah. I looked at that and it was really hard. I think she she felt that her job was to get us through school. She was diagnosed with cancer literally a couple of weeks before my little brother's graduation. I'm so sorry. She, yeah. And she'd, she'd sort of planned and it was sort of her time. She planned to go and work for 12 months for Doctors Without Borders. She wanted to go and have an adventure. And mm-hmm. once my brother got to college and I'm so grateful to have had 46 years with this mother than a mm. lifetime or, or, you know, 23 years. I was 23. She was 46. A lifetime yeah. of everyone else's is how I feel about her. But I, she was an incredible, she sat at the centre of our, our whole extended family. She was the second youngest of her siblings, but she carried a big weight and um, she's incredibly kind, unbelievably decent, um, very thoughtful and just incredibly warm. And mm. you know, I think of those qualities and, you know, it's definitely hard as a parent. There are so many times I want to call her and say, how did you do that? How did you get that mix of like disciplining us? She was pretty tough in certain mm-hmm. areas, but I never felt, she never did in a way that was shaming or punitive, but she did a lot of things right. And I'm, I just think about her example a lot. Um, and obviously, you know, it's, it sucks that I can't call her, <laughs> ask yeah. her for help. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so incredibly grateful to have had her example as a as a child and and through high school and into college and and I also think I'm grateful for the way she died like yeah sick for six months but we had incredible counselor we really talked very openly about the process of her death and she did an incredible job preparing the three of us she died at home we were with her Mm. and talk about you know the humbling process of seeing someone die it's life-changing and yeah you know, she said, I'm going to try and have as good a death as possible. And I'm grateful for that. And, you know, and then that counsellors that we were working with, she had to pay for us to go and spend time at this place called the Gola Foundation. And she really thought it was terrible that other people in the community couldn't have that. And so actually just a few days before she died, she convened a community meeting and asked to the community to support this. And, and the sanctuary was founded in our, in our town in Geelong. And it still lives on with those two counsellors who counselled our family, Scott and Tara. It's a grief support counselling centre. And 
supporting people with life-changing illnesses and events and and so you know I think she's left a lasting impact on her community as well through the sanctuary I know I don't even have to think anymore I hope I'm making you proud I know she would be and I mean she said something really hard to hear at the time my death will be the making of you three she said to my brother and we were horrified and I remember the day we said she said look no 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 we haven't chosen this but it is going to happen and I think you'll be better wiser kinder human beings and that's what I wish for you and then she made my brother promise you the haircut because he had really long hair he was 16 at this time <laughs> and we all had a laugh about it but I like I do I really think about I, I think you know I carry that with me in a very mm-hmm. important way and my brothers and I we we talked to each other you know last week on on that occasion and you know we 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 don't forget yeah yeah and she was absolutely right that you always have each other yeah um, huge gift so profound yeah huge gift I mean and I think I look around and I think in this time of COVID and tremendous mental health challenges that you know I do think we have an epidemic of loneliness going on in our society and I'm just I'm I'm grateful that I I don't walk through this life lonely because mm-hmm. I I really have a family and my siblings and, mm-hmm. and I obviously have my husband and my children, but gosh, so many people walk through this world in such a lonely way. And I really have so much compassion for that. No, that's great. Okay. So tell us how you and Reese met and was it like, you know, at first moment that it was like, we're going to do this together. We're building this. It really was. I mean, she had been in, she'd, she'd come in to meet with Peter and Jesse Jacobs at Chernogrebez with her, and I was in New York. And so I kind of, I would miss the meeting. And there, she had this idea of Alice Sunshine and we were investing, we were the right profile investors in the space and we're talking. And I think she was like, well, is there, no, we're like, no, no, you have to meet Sarah. You have to meet Sarah. Like she's not here, but she's going to. And so when we met, I think when running auto, we'd been building these direct consumer media brands. And I really thought there was a space for a a more storytelling premium led video brand for women. And we spent three or four years looking at companies and thinking about it. And a lot of them I thought were too publishing led, which wasn't quite what we were looking for, like more like wide scale. And so I think when I met Reese and she talked about the vision she had for fellow sunshine, it was, it was very fully formed. I remembered thinking, Oh, so this is yeah that like that's the thing and I didn't say it in those words, but it wasn't it was one of those kismet like conversations. And I think yeah. And then she talked about, like, we talked about the white space and we just saw this gap that it was this absence of, like, authentic authorship in the space and what the opportunity was. Like, not only the the mission of this company, would it feel good, but we thought there was just, we thought it was a really advantaged business plan. That really stuck out to me. And then the other thing that stuck out to me very clear is how this was her life's work. It wasn't sort of like, here's this calculating way that we can do this and make money. Although we thought and to stand fully in our ambition to build an economically powerful company, it wasn't her driving force. How committed, how mission-driven she was and how very much it was like, I want to do more and I want to elevate more voices and I want to change the industry. And I think we could, let's go give it a go. And it was very inspiring like the hard parts about starting companies of especially media brands from scratch. Like, and it was realizing we weren't actually starting it from scratch. We had Reese's 20 year career as a producer. She also had a big social following. I, mean, I looked at it and was like, God, I've kind of everything I've done for the last 15, 20 years has sort of prepared me for this. So it just, mm. there was something about feeling like it was the right thing at the right time. And I just, I just was so deeply, I mean, I was like blown away and so impressed. And 
She's Reese Witherspoon. So yeah. I also kind of love you, but yes. now I get to know you. So how did you come up with the name? You know, it, we, we had another, a slightly different name, but it was around Sunshine and Reese mm-hmm. came up with Sunshine. And then we were thinking about a name that one we could get the trademark and the other. And, um, and it was, she didn't know whether that was the forward facing name. And, you know, it was in a conversation, I think, and she came up with it was Hello Sunshine. And that notion, we, we knew we wanted the name to be an invitation in like no VIP ropes or we, we wanted it to feel welcoming and welcoming to all. And so the notion of hello sunshine, it's like a, there's a, there's, and that we were going to be in the entertainment business. And so, you know, we knew that we wanted our company to have a sense of optimism and, you know, there's a lot of problems and problem statements in and around women that are very real. And we didn't want to ignore those. We wanted to actually try and change those if we could but do it with a sense of agency and power and an optimism that I think we have the capacity and let's just assume we can go get this done. And so it's not a Pollyanna like like unicorns and rainbows optimism. It's not like everything is awesome and, you know, especially coming from two white women, right, that Mm -hmm. kind of ignores (laughs) the, the privilege, right? But it was it was a sense of we have to go, put this together with a sense of standing in our power around it. And then we have to go construct a company where we can, we can actually go make this happen because it's like brutal. I mean, the world's brutal, market's brutal, brutal. It's, and so we had to go like, say, how are we going to go do this with excellence and, and bring people to the table that shared the vision and then give them the like, authority and our team is so kick-ass like I can't even describe I mean we've got 60 people they're all I just am in awe and you know that's the job when you're starting a company is I and I told you know Risa was the convener in in chief of all of this like she's the one who brought us all together Mm -hmm. and you know and then my job is to sort of help assemble all of those people and set the conditions that we can bring people in who can do the best work of their careers. And, and so then, you know, recently we spent a lot of time talking about condition setting, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's where we are and we're four years in and three and a half years in, I guess, or nearly four. And we got a lot of work to do. You know, what I really um, think sets the company apart is that it truly is at the intersection of tech and media. I mean, that's goes to show with all the OTT platforms that you cover, but your TV, film, books, podcasts like the whole gamut um so was that intentional at the onset it was and before I move to that I do want to like I just want to give the credit in our team like you know the first executive we hired was Lauren Newstatter who runs our scripted business and she and Reese and you know obviously with the radical support of me but has driven our scripted side of the business. I mean, phenomenal. And that was the first kind of like swim lane that we leaned into. And so, you know, she just deserves so much credit. And with Reese, um, who's in it every day, you know, with with her and with us together. When I say with Reese, we, we had to look at like, how would you build a company for the next 10 to 15 years of media and entertainment? Having a sense of where things are going, not for the last 10 or 15. And knowing we had a set of assets in Reese and our team and and the time that we were in those four years ago, you know, four years ago. And so I think it was with the belief that we wanted to be anchored by premium content. And because of what was happening with, you know, the onset of like the streaming wars that going and getting a really foothold position in scripted was important. And how are we going to do that with an advantage centering it around books? Because Reese was authentically already reading. That's how she started her producing career really was mm-hmm. on books 
she's had a long track record as a very successful producer. So let's leverage those strengths. So we said, let's tempo Reese's Book Club. That was the first sort of direct-to-consumer. We had a belief that this business is only getting more competitive and crowded and having a relationship directly with your audience is really strategic. And even, even if we're selling a show and producing a show for a streaming platform that has a big reach and big marketing budgets, they still need help in helping audiences show up. And so mm-hmm. I, I think the advantage of, as you see that intention and where it's come to light is, is probably little fires everywhere, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that was a book that we picked for book club in September of 2017. And we've followed that. If you followed our Instagram handles, we were probably 40,000 book club members. There were now 1.7 million. You follow wow. the journey of little fires and the making of the show and us announcing it for book club. And then we were going to make it. And then we were going to do that with Kerry Washington and Reese. And then we posted during production and then you sort of bring that forward and to where that is launching where we can say to Hulu and then Hulu buying that show saying to Hulu we're going to be the we're in it with you as marketing partners we're in it together we manage Reese's socials in-house so when we launched they had all of their marketing that they would normally do and then we had complimentary marketing to our book club audience we flew a book club we did a book club competition and so that's an expression of the company and so and a belief that you know, it's not enough to be just a premium content producer. Like I, mm-hmm. I think we embrace being able to then produce across all storytelling formats as well. So we have a short form team and that short form team was on set on Little Fires capturing content behind the scenes that again supported the launch and, you know, and managing a social conversation daily with our audience as well. Right, right. Um, much like the writer strike in 2009, Hollywood's going through a blackout right now with the pandemic. How are shows um, going to resume during COVID? What's the game plan? Well, very carefully. Um, mm-hmm. The safety of everyone is paramount. I will still say the business in some areas are marching forward in development. Kids and animation is largely marching forward. I think yes. there's lower format, sh- lower footprint shoots, like some unscripted shows are coming back where it's you can do it with one camera person and a sound person and in a very socially distanced way. But these big scripted shows where you might have a crew of a couple of hundred you know, there's the you know, we're hoping to come back in the fall with it. We had three shows we were supposed to be shooting this year. We were actually we'd started production on morning show season two. You know, I think we're in the second week of production when mm-hmm. that happened. We were supposed to be starting Daisy Jones and the Six for Amazon and then from scratch for Netflix. And all of those are paused. So we say we're <sighs> paused and not shut down. And look, there's weekly discussions. We've got different studio and platform partners with those. And you know, everyone's just concerned with like People want to get back to work. How do we do it safely? So it's epidemiologists and consulting and and others. And I think we're going to manage that as good partners, you know. And then I do think some of our unscripted, some unscripted things we will start to shoot. And I, and then look, we're everyone's advancing their COVID friendly shows. Like, what can we move forward on? Because platforms really want content, and what can we continue to shoot? And so we've shot short form series and other things during this period safely remotely and but you know I we're we're all hoping and ready I mean you've got it's a massive economic dislocation for crews and people but you know it's got to be safe yeah exactly I want to talk about the book club because Reese is a voracious reader and it's much like Oprah's where you know we would look forward to what her recommendations were every week and so tell us you know how that came to be and and if you have a favorite, 
how how I came to be, she was naturally already posting photos of stuff she would read to Instagram and mm-hmm. and she was doing that very organically. And sometimes she posts a book a week and sometimes a couple of weeks would go by. And and one of the first conversations I had with her and then Cynthia Rapika, who had worked for me at, at Otter, she was like employee number one, was like, we've got a temple book club. Like just pick a book in the first week of every month and just get on a regular schedule. And that was like the first like really smart decision we accidentally made. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. accidentally. It was <laughs> but, but that was like, let's just put, let's give some con- our followers like some predictability around that. Mm-hmm. And really making sure that, that that really reflected and then you know Reese reads a whole bunch of books and she picks one a month it's not yeah. complicated <laughs> and then you know I work with her very closely on the book picks in fact we were just on the phone trying to decide mm-hmm. two she was trying to decide and we were talking back and forth about them and it's like the best part about my job because I'm a massive reader I mean I'm that kid who would borrow 20 books from the library from my local Geelong library I just was a bookworm my whole wow so it's one of the fun parts about my job and then but she's just I do not know how she does it. She is suggesting that we have a team and we have scout, we have a scout and we have like, and she is just, and then half the time she's sending us books going, have you heard of this one? And we're like, well, how do we miss that? <laughs> and it's a really valuable thing in a sea of stuff to consider. Like yes. I think she's got a trusted curatorial voice. She reads pretty widely too. So there's nothing, there's nothing better than, Hearing from an author, one of the best parts of is dealing and getting to know the authors who are like, this changed my life, like yeah. um, debut authors and just being able to put a spotlight on such such worthy narratives and right. who just sometimes because there's so much out there that just don't get the attention they deserve and there's so much joy in that and, I mean, I love that part of my job. It's amazing. It just feels really good, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Former district attorney and Senator Kamala Harris is the Democratic vice presidential nominee for the 2020 election yeah. with Biden, of course. So what sentiments did you go through when you heard the news? And is Hello Sunshine, you know, backing campaigns and, and getting voters out there? Oh, I cried. I cried noisy sobbing. <laughs> and I was kind of surprised. And look, I'm Kamala's supporter. I support her presidential campaign. So, mm-hmm. but I think seeing the significance of her appointment and immediately seeing the misogynistic coverage of her is just appalling. So, I mean, I'm personally supporting, you know, we have her back. I just think trying to get candidates from all parties, women candidates to be covered with a level of fairness. And I mean, it's appalling. I mean, we had headlines in the New York Times and the LA Times talking about like comparing the race, the VP race right before she was appointed to the bachelor seriously, have we not moved past that? I think for Hello Sunshine, we stand in the issues for women, but we're a storytelling-led brand. We're not a news brand. And it's mm. not, we're not afraid to talk about the issues and we'll wade into the issues. We absolutely support voting, but we also, it's not our DNA, agenda, I guess. It's not a, well, it's not our DNA as a company. Right, right. We will use narratives and voices to advance controversial, to stand in issues that are important to gender identity and others. Yes. Certainly, you know, and absolutely to stand against racism and the inspiration of seeing what it means to black and brown and all women yeah. for her appointment. And I think her presence on that ticket is going to materially advance the chances of Biden becoming president. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Tell us about a mom sense moment that you've had. The one I'm always grappling with is how much freedom to give my children and also keep them safe. 
when I've leaned into that fear, when I've sort of let them ride their bike up to the park and I, they think they're on their own, but I drive up like half a mile behind them. <laughs> like I, I haven't yet gotten that wrong. You know, so I've, I've really tried to push them having, being in physical danger. And I mean that in like calculated ways, but going into the surf at the back of the surf. And, and I, it, it really, I really struggle with it as a parent. I will tell mm-hmm. you, I really struggle with the fear of my children a lot of parents like having an accident and dying. And then when you have some kid with some physical challenges as well, you really, I've gotten much better at leaning into that and going, yeah, they're going to be all right. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Okay. Uh, is there a quote that you live by? I mean, I'm li- literally looking at it at my, my desk. It says no success in business will ever make up for a failure at home. And it was something on my business school graduation, Dean Kim Clark said it in our graduate in his graduation address when I graduated business school. And God, it like really stuck with me. So I think of that all the time. And it's a balancing act. Like I love my job and I'm so committed and I'm so mission-driven. I love what I do, but I being successful at home is really important to me. And so there's tension between those two things sometimes. And that's that's a quote I've rem- that stuck with me that day. And I've sort of had it present in my work spaces ever since. In board, sitting on my desk, right now, <laughs> next to my, my home office desk. Which It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. So is there a product that you're loving right now? I love ritual vitamins. I mean, <laughs> I do. They ship them to me. I don't have to think about it. You know what I love? I love they're so consumer friendly that I've got an app and then when I, cause I don't take, like I forget to take them every day. And so I get, mm-hmm. I have a stack up and then I can pause my subscription for five or six weeks. And so I don't feel I'm paying for stuff. But honestly, it is like, I love, I, I, I love my ritual vitamins. I feel like, okay, I take two of those vitamins every day. Comes to me, they're like really good quality product. It's a female founded company. Like I, I love ritual vitamins. I really That's do. so great. Oh, <laughs> My mom is Evolution 18. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's yep. Bobby Brown's um, yeah, latest venture. And I love the collagen powder. I put it in everything. I put it in my chai because it's flavorless. Yeah. And so if it's in a smoothie or a chai, and it's so great because I feel like it's helping my body and skin from the inside out. So yeah, so I love it. I cannot thank you enough, Sarah, for this chat that we had. I feel, even though you're in LA, I feel like you're right here next to me. Um, it was such a touching, transformative, poignant chat that we had. And I'm so glad that you're at the helm of Hello Sunshine. And you're really taking us through a whole new paradigm of what tech and media and new media is. So I love you Thank you for having me. I've got to say, I really do not love talking about myself. I'm <laughs> So this felt like like a chat with a girlfriend. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to my interview with Sarah Harden. As you may have figured out during our chat, we recorded when Senator Kamala Harris was chosen as Joe Biden's running mate. And now she's going to be the first female vice president of the United States. This is a historical global milestone, and I am so thrilled that we're witnessing this firsthand and our girls and boys are growing up during this generation. 
Sarah, I know you're listening and I want to thank you personally for being a trusted mentor and friend to me. You have an incredible heart, just like your mom, and I'm so thankful to have you in my life. Follow me on Insta at Kanika Gupta or at That's Total Mom Sense to learn more about my episodes and my distinguished guests. I hope you feel inspired by their stories and life lessons. As always, remember, trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's Total Mom Sense.